Because you ought to see every day as an ending day in what you say to people and how they respond to the Lord. Because the key is responding to the Lord. And not only that, response speaks of order. And sometimes in the church we're out of order. And sometimes we are not realizing that when, when a, a servant of God is speaking from this pulpit, they're speaking, thus saith the Lord. So it doesn't have to be backed up. I'm giving you all a little teaching right now. Do you all mind? Does anybody mind? When a man of God or a woman of God is actually called to this position to speak, they don't have to be, it doesn't have to be verified. It doesn't have to have somebody say, thus saith the Lord, what he said is true. I mean, it can be, but I'm just saying that doesn't have to happen because God has already sanctioned the person standing here. If not, they don't need to be there. Are y'all with me now? So what we say from the pulpit to me is spirit and it's life. It's not a second guess thing. It's not where somebody says, I just wonder. No, if God is saying it it's, and, and the person standing here is receptive to the Spirit, you're going to hear the correct thing. You're going to hear it and know it. It's going to, even though it may tinge and it may hurt you a little bit, but you know it was correct. I mean, how many of y'all ever got a whipping from your daddy and realized you, you really didn't like the whipping, but you knew what he did was right? I mean, any whipping I got, it, I, I probably needed it because he warned me before he gave it to me. That's a good thing about my daddy. He'd warn me, son, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. Well, I thought he'd forget. He never forgot. I was thinking this morning, Pastor Kenny, I've been young and now I'm a little older. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed out begging bread. Never. Everybody say never. It's not a part of this message. I just feel like visiting with you for a moment. Because we have, we think that we are coming here to receive the glory. We are not coming here to receive the glory. We're here to give the glory to God. And because of that, churches like this are dying around the world because we're coming to receive the glory and not to give the glory. It's become a self-serving attitude. Y'all probably didn't come to hear this today, but I'm going to let you have it. I want you to turn to Micah, the sixth chapter, verse eight in the ESV. He has told you, O man, what is good. God is speaking. He's telling you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? What does the Lord require of you? Well, he requires me to come to church on Sunday because that's the thing. I've just got to come to church on Sunday. No, 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 no. You want to come to church. You, it's a must because you're part of the church. You are the church that you will be in the house. That requirement should not even be mentioned. It's something that you should desire and want to do. I mean, are you required to take a vacation? No, you take a vacation because you want to you go and have fun. He's told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice. Something we don't know about in America anymore, around the world. But we do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly before your God. 
These are things that he requires. You think God has made a mistake here? No, he made no mistake. He wants there to be justice. See, we seek here at East West Church, this being the last service for the Legacy Series, we seek to live by our motto, give, act, serve, inspire. Everybody say that with me. Give, act, serve, inspire. And I, be- I believe personally that God requires this of us and for future generations. I know Micah is for us and for future generations because God wants these things. He requires justice. He requires love and kindness. He requires us to walk humbly before him. Let me tell you when you get in trouble, when you forget who God is. You forget who he is and what he's done for you, James. It's like he's touched you and helped you. It's when you think you did it on your own or some some other outside source did it. No, any outside source was moved on by the Spirit of God to help you. Am I with you? Are you with me today? Everybody's sort of with me. I love everybody in here. And I'm not angry. I'm upset with the body of Christ. I'm upset with what I see around the world. And you ought to be too, if you're spirit-led. We must be persuaded that that which we've heard is in fact true. We must be persuaded that that which we felt is a real feeling. That which we've experienced, Damon, is a real experience. If it's not, then let's just dismiss it all. Eat and drink and be merry, for tomorrow we shall die. But that's not the truth. The truth of the matter is, tomorrow we're going to face eternity. We must be persuaded of the call of the Lord. Because the call of the Lord is upon us all. That is our legacy. The trouble trouble I'm having right now is this. We set up programs. We set up ideas. We set up gimmicks and tricks. And food and lights and music and all that to try to get people into the house of the Lord. And it sounds a lot like the Bible. He said, we've sung to you and played to you and danced to you and you still have not responded. So here's the problem I have as a pastor, as a bishop. Here's the problem I have. We say it's difficult for us to be in the house of the Lord for an hour and a half a week. Yet we say we want to spend an eternity with the same God that we don't, can't make it an hour and a half a week. Now help me with that thought. We cannot spend an hour and a half and even, let's just say, two hours. But then we, want to, we say we want to spend an eternity with him who we cannot even spend two hours out of the week. I have a problem with that. Well, I've got a problem, Bishop. You've got to understand, I've got to make a living Everybody's got to make a living. That Understand, you don't make the living your God. You make God your God and let the living fall into subcategory, a subset of God. You can't make it the God. You've got to make him the God. I'm preaching today whether you all like it or not. I'm talking truth today. I want to spend an eternity with him because 
He first loved us. Now let me say this. Let me give you this first. We're talking about being persuaded. Acts the 26th chapter verse 28 in the King James Version. Now this is when Agrippa was faced by the Apostle Paul. Then Agrippa said to Paul, because they, they were really wanting to torment him. They wanted to put him in prison. He said, thou almost persuades me to be a Christian. Almost persuades me to be a Christian. But hear this. He who is almost persuaded is almost saved. And he who, to be almost saved is to be entirely lost. Did I, did I say that again? He who is also is almost persuaded is almost saved. And to be almost saved is to be entirely lost. And like the song said, I'm almost persuaded. Well, buddy, if you don't know by now who you love, you're in trouble. Legacy means something. Legacy means something. It's that part of your history. Your history. By definition, it's part of your history or that remains from an earlier time. It also means anything handed down from the past or from an ancestor or predecessor or an existing system or process or state of affairs inherited from the past. I'm just wondering, should there not be a warning here? If we do not do something about the attitude of the people and their misconception of the church, if we don't do something about this attitude of the people and their misconception of wanting to even be a part of a church, I'm afraid we won't have a church much more anymore. Did you hear that, Pastor Kenny? Pastor Mike, did you hear that? Something the Lord placed in my spirit this morning. We need to really wake up and realize that that which we enjoy can be taken away. You say, well, I'll just go down the street to another church. No, because what happens is those who are less will become even less. I'm putting out an issue and a warning to the body of Christ. We need to wake up and realize what's going on in the world. We need to realize. There was a, there was a, a statistic put out in 2020 when it talked about believers. We're talking about Christianity. And they said there's more people leaving than believing. Are y'all hearing that? More people leaving than believing. Where's the problem? We thought it's in programs. We thought it was in gimmicks. We thought it was in tricks. And people aren't looking for gimmicks and tricks and smoke and guns. They're looking for the real experience of the Holy Spirit. That's why this church, the enemy fights us so because, and you'll even feel it sitting in the pew, you'll know that the Holy Spirit is here. And you know the twinge of the Spirit. You know God's calling you. And sometimes we run from that. But I'm going to tell you, don't run from the roar. Run to the roar. Don't run from the battle. Run into the battle. Victory's not one running. Victory's one running to it. But I'm fearful. We won't have a church to even worry about. You certainly won't have a bishop worrying about it because I'm going to move on and do what God's asked me to do. 
So I'm giving you a warning. As I did, I warned people 30 years ago about certain things. Some of you sat here, and I warned them about certain things. It happened, just like I said. People saying it'll never happen, but it did happen. Well, give us the good news. We'll get there in a minute. But you have to understand, we've given you so much good news, we forget that there's some negative news that you might have to walk through if you don't live according to the good news. So I'm going to ask you this question based on what I've just said. And I'm not angry. I am upset with what I see. What will our legacy be? What will your legacy be? What will you want your grandchildren and their children to remember about you? Well, uh, we had a great Christmas party. Uh, they had some Christmas presents under the tree and all those great things. I just had a great meal and, and uh, I just don't, you know, that's what I remember about Grandma going to her house and smelling, smelling uh, the cooking going on. You know what I remember about my grandparents? Getting down on their knees and praying and thanking God. That's what I remember. I remember my mother saying, you're going to church, son, no matter what's going on in your life. I don't care how late you were out last night, you're going to be in the house of the Lord. That's what I remember. And now I can stand here as a bishop to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I have around the world because my mama said, you're going to church. I'm telling you, we need more grandmas and grandpas. And we need to remember the legacy. What will we remember about you? Well, he had a nice pick up truck. Who cares about your pick up truck? Well, my mama, she was some kind of woman. Well, what kind of woman was she? You can't even identify it. But when you say, my mama served the Lord, my daddy served the Lord, that's a legacy. So what will your children's children remember about Papa? What people going to remember about you guys? He said, well, I've got a long, look, listen, Bishop, I've got a long time to develop that legacy. No, you don't. We need to start today defining who we are and what we want to be today. So I'm going to ask this question. What is your end game? I mean, if I'm playing a football game, what is my end game? To win. I'm not in it to get out there and get exercise. End game is I want to win. So what is your end game? <clears throat> what do you mean by that, Bishop? What defines who you really are? Your end game. Because that's going to be your legacy. Well, my papa worked hard, okay? So after all the, work hard, all the hard work, what are you going to do with it? Who are you going to be? How are you going to live? Who are you? Who really are? Who who are you? So you see something I said. I believe last week. You are today the sum total of all the choices that you have made in your past. I wrote someone today and said, "Remember, we whatever your choice is will be seen in your future." Something to that effect. Make sure your choices are correct because you will have to live it out in your future. And instead of personalizing it, people take it on. Remember, it goes for you too. Really? 
I'm the one that quoted it. <laughs> I'm the one that said it. I understand that it's all for us. But I think everybody, we, 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 we want to say that message is for, for Randy, it's not for me. That Randy message is for Damon, it's not for me. Message for Brother Perez, it's not for me. Not realizing that that message is absolutely for you. So you're a sum total of all the choices you've made in your past. And if it's not going good, if you're not happy, look back to what the choices you made. Because that's where you are. Well, Bishop, I'm not going to make a choice. Ha, ha, ha. I'm not going to make a choice. You just did. You chose not to do anything which can only bring negative results. Choose to know. You say, well, I don't understand that statement. Explain it to me, Bishop. If I throw you in a pool and in water, throw you out of a boat, and you don't swim, you do nothing, guess what you're going to do? You're going to drown. My daddy taught me how to swim. He tied a rope around me in the middle of the Tennessee River, right at the dam where it's, I don't know how many feet, 600, 800 feet deep, sitting right there at it, and he took me and poof. Now, I had to learn to swim. Oh, he had a rope on me, but trust me, that didn't help a whole lot. That's where I learned to swim, in the Tennessee River by the dam, where the fish were bigger than I was. But if I had decided, I'm not doing nothing. You'll never win a ball game doing nothing. You'll never win anything doing nothing. So I've made a choice. I'm not doing anything. Well, you just did. You made a real bad choice. This is an important question we need to ask ourselves, all of us. What will we choose what will we choose to do in going forward? What do we choose? Who will we choose to be? See, some of you have made a decision. <clears throat> I can see my brother here. I've seen you all in the church the last few weeks. You've made a choice. I know that. To me, that turns me on because you made a choice. And God now sees you've made a choice. So God can bless you according to your choice. God will never bless you outside of your choice. Uh-oh, y'all need to hear that. God will never bless you outside your choice. He blesses you according to your choice. So who will we choose to be and how will we choose to live? How will we choose it? Because that dictates and sets up a legacy. So when this community around us down here on Hurt Road and over here and down the people around us and beyond looks at this church, what will they see? They used to be great. They used to reach people. There used to be some vibrant services in there. Well, I don't know about y'all, but used to be don't work for me because I'm going to move on. And you should too. We should move on and do what God's asked us to do. I'm just wondering, will they see a people here, both corporately and individually? Will they see a people who, people who fall apart when hard times come? Or people that will come together in unity and stand together and say, 
we will serve the Lord, as they said to Joshua that day. And we will establish a place of refuge and recovery. That came to me this morning. A place of refuge and recovery. Because, hear me, people are hurting. People are hurting. And the reason I'm talking to y'all this way is because I believe you are the seed that God has given us to where we can, we can reach out and help hurting humanity. You can. Because many of y'all have already been, y'all know what life can do to you. Life can wear you out. Has anybody else come to that realization? Life can wear you out. But I made a choice that the giver of life will be at the utmost of my life. And so life can't wear me out as long as I'm serving the one who gives life. A place of refuge and recovery. You see, we all come to this valley that we've ministered on with Joshua. And a verse I'll read in a minute. We all come to a valley of decision. Time and time and time again. You've done, many times you come into the house of the Lord here and you're having to make decisions. But it's in those moments, Ron, that defines us. It's when we start making those choices. You remember, Kenny, one Sunday morning you came to the house of the Lord. You made a choice to come to the house of the Lord. And that day was the day that I walked over to you and prayed for you. You remember that? Now, what if you had not made that choice? That, that's, my, that's, my, that's my thought. How many of us think or we don't think that that choice is valuable? And you said if he, if he has a word from me or something like that, he'll give it to me. That's what he said. He said God would show me whatever. And choice. Now, what if I'd have chose not to hear the Lord that day and walk over to you? I mean, think about that one. What if I just chose, Butch, God gives me a word for you, and I say, well, Butch don't need that. I need to be real careful with that, and so do you. Because, see, I want everybody here to be a success. Turn to somebody and say, he wants us to be successful. I wish all of you would be prosperous, as the Bible says, and be in good health. I want you to be. My God, I want you to be. But you can't, you can't not make choices, positive choices, and walk in the abundant life. Can I just minister to you for a moment? I guess I can. I mean, who's going to stop me, right? Here's the deal. We think because we're saved, that's the end game. We think because we're sitting in the pew, that's the end game. We think that we, what we call born again, that's the end game. That's not the end game. That's the beginning of the game. Because the end game is here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God, everything was formed in Christ Jesus. All things were made by him and for him and, and him you should understand all things from the beginning of, before things were created, he had already made a determination in Jesus Christ. Am I right? Okay. So the end game is out here. What is the end game? Is it salvation? 
No, salvation's in here. Is it uh, 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 healing? No, it's in here. Is it deliverance? No, it's in here. So what is it, Bishop? The end game is what he said. Go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. He's saying the end game is the demonstration of the kingdom of God. So I'm going to say something to you that many, I don't know if any, many pastors would say this. You say you're born again, but I'm going to tell you for those that think they're Christians, you need to be born again again. Understanding the kingdom of God that you are here to demonstrate it. We are sent to this planet to set up a legacy that will go on and on and on. I don't want my legacy to be my daddy never did nothing because he kept waiting for Jesus to come back. Well, Brother Meshagin was a good guy. And he made a choice. He choice his choice was he's just gonna do what he's doing and, and sing a few songs and wait till Jesus comes back. Really? He's called me to demonstrate the power of God, the kingdom of God, kingdom lifestyle, kingdom living. This is legacy. Where when your grandchildren look at you, they say, Papa was a man of God. And he has demonstrated the kingdom of God. And they'll know the message of the kingdom. Not only of salvation, which is paramount. You have to have salvation. And you need to be born again. But I'm telling you what I feel. We need to be born again again. Because we're not seeing the whole picture. Because everything was in Christ Jesus. But the end of the story is not salvation. The end game is the kingdom of God. Because Every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How is that going to happen unless we demonstrate his kingdom? Thank you, Adrian. I hear you back there. I'm getting excited now because people are missing it. I've missed it for years. Everybody wants to talk about Things that are, are, are nonsensical, it doesn't matter. Oh, it may be important, but it's not, it doesn't matter to the overall picture or the end game, which the end game is, will we be citizens of the kingdom? You wonder why many people are dying? And because they've, they've used up their usefulness. When your usefulness is used up, you're going to be taken out. Same thing with me. But as long as I'm demonstrating the kingdom, and I'm saying, look, we need to wake up and realize that what God's trying to do, he'll use me. We can't be fearful of this thing, but we have to understand what God's trying to present. You were brought to this ministry for such a time as this. Because you finally, I don't know where you've been before, but I guarantee you right now you're sitting in a place that tries desperately to hear from God. Why do you think? My son's coming in because I, I feel the necessity to do exactly that. I didn't even waver in that because I'm helping project and push the kingdom. It's not Alan Meshagan. Someone said to me, aren't you afraid, that it, Bishop, aren't you afraid that Pastor Alan come over here, that people want to hear him more than you? I said, No. I could care less because I've got a message that goes beyond anyone else that I know. Because all of us are significant in the body of Christ. But you'll see what God said. Someone said, aren't you fearful? Aren't you afraid? <laughs> there ain't no fear in my body. Do you understand what fear does to you? 
It strips you of faith. It's the opposite. And do you understand that this world works off? And I hope I'm going to be in a conference in the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to tell some, if people give me a chance, all these pastors, I'm going to try to tell them, the problem we have in the body of Christ is we're moved by fear and greed. We're not moved by faith. We're moved by fear and greed. And I know they're not going to like me, and they don't like me to come speak because I tell them the truth, and it ticks them off. But I don't care. We're moved by that. God's not moved by fear and greed. Uh, certainly not positively. So let's get back to the point. If in the beginning God created heaven and earth, and in the beginning he set up Jesus Christ that all things would be moving in, in and through him and all of the wisdom of the Godhead is in him bodily, then the end game is for us to, do you think the end game is for you to be perfect in the flesh? Oh, y'all are learned. You, the end game is I've got to be perfect in my flesh. You'll never be perfect in your flesh because your flesh cannot be perfect. You're still going to do things you shouldn't do, think things you shouldn't think, and say things you can't say. You shouldn't say. Not can't say. Shouldn't say. The issue is, though, what are you going to do with this earthen vessel? And will you be led by the Spirit or the Spirit of God or the Spirit of flesh? That's the key. Legacy. Everybody say legacy. See, Tasha, why it's so important to be in the house of the Lord? Because you would not have heard what I just said about the end game. Because God's looking at the end game. He's not even looking at the other stuff. Everything he did, even Jesus dying on the cross, was all about the end game. <laughs> all about the end game. You say, well, the end game is me going to heaven. You've missed it. You have missed it. If you think the end game is you just making it to heaven, because the world is going to go on and... <laughs> You may be in heaven, but that's not the end game. So I don't see it like you see it, Bishop. I said, well, you have a right to be wrong. Because if you'll read the Scriptures, you'll find out it's about the kingdom of God. Am I right? The kingdom of God. That's why the third world nations are listening to the voice of God now. Because they realize it's about the kingdom. They're begging people to come and speak to them and, and present to them the good news in a demonstration of the power of God. You know why? Because we in, we in the United States and America, we've gotten desensitized to it. Am I right? Here's the trick, Butch. People say, well, you know what? East West Church will always be there. Bishop will be up there preaching. So I, if I didn't hear him for two weeks, I'll come back and catch him in another time. I'm going to say something to you. That may change. What do you mean? Take for granted what you shouldn't take for granted, and you can lose what you had. And I'm speaking this from the Lord. The Lord's saying be very careful because his spirit is precious. And remember, we're here to give him glory, not us. I don't need the glory. I don't want the glory. The Bible says he'll not share his glory with anybody. So when you start trying to take the glory, you get yourself in major trouble. But we come to these moments that's defining moments in that valley. It's a valley where decisions have to be made. Has to be made. And change will always bring conflict. Guarantee it. I can say something, half the crowd will like it, and the other half will say, I don't see it. 
And you let them go and start, they'll argue and fight over it. Change brings conflict. What, what do you mean? Conflicting ideas? Conflicting emotions? Conflict between people and their differing ideas? And so on and so forth. Conflicting. So when change comes, what will we do with it? Who will we be? Who will you be in the midst of change? Will we run from our destiny or run to the call of the Lord? Will we run from our destiny or run to the call of the Lord? We had better run to the call of the Lord. See, we cannot forget that God has his hand on us. We need to remember that God has done what he's done for us in the past, for it will give us hope for our future. 1 Kings 18.21 says, And Elijah came unto the people. 1 Kings 18.21 And Elijah came unto the people and said, How long will you halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, the false god, if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. And therein lies the problem. They answered him not a word. If God be God, we need to make that statement clear. And I will serve the Lord. I'll do what he's asked me to do. Because you understand, everybody, the future has a gravity. And it's pulling us towards it. You can't get away from it. Here, something the Lord spoke to me this morning. You can get away from your past, but you can never forget your future. Because it's always before you. You can forget the past, but not your future. Don't fight the pull of the future. Go on to know the Lord and understand His goodness. And I say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord just like Joshua. Let's leave a legacy that will stand the test of time. Where your grandchildren look at you and say, I know exactly what my grandparents felt, my great-grandparents felt. Because I feel that same spirit. A legacy of spirit and truth. A spirit of commitment and loyalty. People don't. I preached this message 20 years ago. I said, watch. Commitment and loyalty is about to go out the window. Way back. Before everybody's place was packed. I said, get ready. It's coming. And buddy, commitment, loyalty. You know, the main problem in churches today, I talked to some leaders. They said, well, we're having a problem finding people to serve in the house. Really? Why? Because nobody sees the need to serve in the house. I know that sister, my dear sister, what's your name again, Rihanna? <laughs> she said, I need people to serve and help in our Christian extravaganza, which is set up for full turn and for us. But people don't want to serve. If you ask someone to serve with the little children, they act like that's a downer. Do you realize those little children are going to grow up and they're going to be our leaders tomorrow? They're either going to be our hell raisers or our heaven raisers. We need to leave a legacy that clearly says by our actions we are God's people. Romans 12, 2 in the New International Version. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Understanding, see, by that, you know there's an end game. And the end game is not salvation, which is ultimate and important to the process. The end game is demonstrating the kingdom of God. Always has been, always will be. So we must awaken to something. What is that, Bishop? We must awaken to the power of Christ. It is this power that transforms our life from mediocrity to the abundant life. I'm almost through. Remembering in any situation, God in you is a majority in any crowd. So you have to embrace, embrace the undeniable ability of God to help you complete your destiny without, without any thought, understanding he's got your best at his heart. And when this happens, it will leave a path of legacy for others to follow. When you follow him, it will leave a path like breadcrumbs so that others can follow your breadcrumbs to the kingdom of God. It is his power, God's power, that will give us to us the legacy he requires of us all. Selah.